0: Welcome to the Halloween Unleashed Podcast. And now, here are your hosts for the week.
1: Welcome everybody to Halloween Unleashed. I am your host, Chris Morgan, and this week I have a very special co-host with me. Someone who has been my best friend, my brother-in-arms for over six years. And someone that uh, I am surprised, as long as I've been doing podcasting, has not been a co-host once. He's been on uh, our live episode, joined us on Mass Talk Radio back in 2013 several times. And we were going to do a revisit to Mass Talk Radio back in 2015. It just didn't pan out. I still have all those recordings, but nobody knows what that is, and nobody cares, Uh, but I'm here with my best friend, Mr. Aaron Bass. Aaron, how are you?
2: I am doing well, brother, and I do hope that you and yours and everyone that is hearing the sound of our voice is uh, alive and well and safe, happy, and healthy in this most unusual time in all of our lives. And thank you so much for the uh the gracious and very, very high praise. Uh it is you know, uh it's very much uh likewise, right back at you bro. I just you know, it, it never it never fails to hit me in the heart when I hear you say it out loud. That's all.
1: Well, you're you're very welcome. You've been uh you've been a brother to me and it's just it's hard to believe as long as we've been friends and is many many hours of phone conversations that we've had over the years it's never really ever made it to a podcast. I mean, I just find that completely odd,
2: yeah, it can be kind of odd at the same time I you know uh whenever we tend to talk for hours on length, you know it's it's typically uh you know very heartfelt and very genuinely driven. And you know, I always value our conversations, even if we're just genuinely BSing about how we just signed off on another on another season of Brooks Football to see us at the you know, in the basement of the NFC South. But Sim- I value every single talk we always have, man. Simple as that, right? Simple as that,
1: brother. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to talk about Marianne. You have been listening along. And uh, as you heard me mention in this episode, which everyone's going to hear here in a little while, I didn't even know that you were listening there for a little bit. And then I start getting uh, direct messages from you about, you know, what you were taking away from the Dan Farren's episode and that you were looking forward to Marianne's episode. And You know, kind of walk me through what this has been like from someone that hasn't been on the podcast before. Just what you're walking away with uh, just from her episodes alone. We can save your recap of Dan's episode for a different time. Tell us a little bit about what you've taken away from Marianne's episode and the appreciation for H6.
2: Well, in regards to Marianne's episodes, you know, the two that have aired already. uh, Number one, I think uh, you and Brandon uh durin have done a fabulous job we have knocked it out of the park and uh just to give a shout out to the to the lovely miss marianne hagan uh, i was hooked from the very first episode which i already knew i would be and that hook has just sunken deeper and deeper with the you know with the two episodes that have already you know aired and with this third one uh, i mean it just it's just gone even deeper you know i very much uh echo your sentiment that uh she is someone that you can just sit back and listen to uh talk for hours on end and just and just and just you know uh be absolutely encapsulated by
1: well awesome um Yeah, we we, we covered a little bit about her career in the first couple of episodes. We started to get into some H6 talk, and today we start to hear from her perspective what it was like being on that troubled set back in the icy days of 1994 when they filmed that. And um, it's going to start getting real interesting from this point forward. you You listen to a little bit can i can I understate that that uh people are in for a real treat today
2: uh no there there is no understating it, and I'm sure there is no understating uh, uh that point for the the episodes that will follow after after this one as well.
1: do you have any comments that you want to make before we jump into today's episode, or can we go ahead and get on to the the honorary guest of of today?
2: Uh, My only comment would be uh, a very heartfelt, appreciative thank you for including me in on the shenanigans here. And, uh, man, a a sincere heartfelt to you on behalf of all the listeners, because I am one of them, and I truly appreciate what you've built here, and I truly appreciate, you know, uh, all the hard work that you've put in to uh, you know, to creating this, and I mean, it continues to pay off, uh, especially for all of us fans, because we are all you know the the grateful recipients of uh, of new chapters of Halloween lore straight from the the sources themselves that we would never have ever uh, otherwise had you know the you know the uh, you know the luxury of being able to hear. So thank you very much for all that you've done, you know, to get, to get this to where it's at and for your continued work. And man, I just, I look forward to, you know, to, you know, the remaining chapters of Marianne's interviews and, and all the great days that lie ahead.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, like uh, like I was about to make Marianne cry, you're about to make Mar- uh, make me cry. So be careful with that. Um, I do appreciate it. I'm glad that you were able to 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 join. For sure, it's only taken three years for for me to get you on, but you're here. And uh, be, before we jump in, um, there's a lot of people that have reached out that have saying, "Hey, how how are you getting the numbers on the podcast that you're getting?" Uh. You know, Brandon mentioned it a couple of times on on his. He's really trying to grow his audience. I know Dylan in the past has mentioned it. Um, And all I want to say to, like, because you made the comment, the reason I'm bringing this up, because you made the comment of what I built. And what people think is just because Halloween Unleashed has only been around since January of 2019, really this is my third year of podcasting on a very regular basis. So it's not like I opened Halloween unleashed and the audience was unleashed. It's not like it just happened and it's taken a very long time to build and to grow and to, and sometimes get frustrated that it wasn't growing at my pace, but you know, sometimes you just got to, You've got to take your foot off the gas just a little bit to be able to look around and, and appreciate your surroundings and what you're building. Because eventually, once you do put your foot back on the gas and move forward, it, you will start to see the hard work pay off. And for those out there that are trying to build their audience, Keep plugging away, keep getting episodes out there, keep reaching out, keep networking, and just keep growing your brand. I mean, it will get there. It's just Rome wasn't built in a day. Just give it time. It, it will happen.
2: Absolutely. And if I could add in one more point to follow that up with, uh, you know, you can't Rome wasn't built in a day and it certainly wouldn't have stood for very long if it didn't have a solid foundation. If you don't, if you love what you're doing, then concentrate on that and just run with it. Because at the end of the day, if you love what you're doing, then that's all that should matter. And if you can just grow and build upon what you're doing and love every single step of the way, that's what's ultimately going to matter the most. And that's what should br- ultimately bring you the most satisfaction. So I know
1: I amen. Exactly. Um, Well, we will be back in the next 15, 20 minutes to recap what what you're about to hear. And um, from Aaron and from Chris, this is Marianne Hagen, part three. And you're listening to Halloween Unleashed. You're listening to Halloween Unleashed.
3: so uh and then i i just I watched you know one, two, four, and five over and over again,
1: and then daniel's script
3: and and then of course, I mean it's, the only thing that made Daniel script you know understandable to me was really watching them and really studying them, and Daniel script was. So brilliant. It was. It's just so hard to explain. Um, I wish I had saved a copy of it. I could. Me too. You know, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, but it just it made sense, and it was so well written, and. It started on page one. It ended on page 90 or whatever. And there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the characters were all fleshed out. And um, that's why, you know, Paul Rudd and I talked about it and on the set. And we were like, isn't this script amazing? I know, it's amazing. And the... The parts that we're playing, I mean, they're so freaking cool. They're so well written. They're so, you know, meaty and they have such layers to them. And then, you know, as I know you heard from Daniel, you know, situations happened on set that made, like, they were ripping pages out of the script, usually Kara's pages. And,. Um, you know, just to cut down on time, and because we've gotten behind, because, you know, as Daniel mentioned, it snowed Uh the very first week we were there, which even for Salt Lake City was unusual to get, like, a real snowstorm.
1: Well, the curse Um, of Michael Myers was definitely cursed as, you know, from day one, you
3: know? I know, and you know what? I never knew until I listened to your, I think it was episode two of your now going to be classic five-part series with Daniel Ferens, um, was that he said it sarcastically. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. It was certainly never called The Curse of Michael Myers when we, it was just called Halloween 6. And yeah. there was no, no colon, and then a subtitle. Um, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. I found out so many things, by the way. Um, I've listened to before, so far. Uh, so many things from your interviews with Daniel that I didn't know, and I thought I knew everything.
1: Yeah, he... Um, and to be honest i i I love laid back stuff like this like with him i i I, there's so many follow-up questions he would say things and i i wanted to ask so many questions after that but he's but he's an energizer bunny i mean i thought i had a lot of energy but i was like man this guy is harnessed energy and you feel it and i mean that as a compliment i it's not you know he's he's obviously a a friend and I tell him all the time, like, dude, can I have ten percent of that energy because my kids need that. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. it But at times I couldn't get a, an extra question, and so I, you know, it, it was a lot of times it was like boom, 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 and I was trying to be respectful of his time because he was in an editing bay. Um, so we were quickly on to the next question. So. I like that we're doing this to where we can just kind of flush it out a little bit more and kind of take our time and ask follow-up. So this is this is great. But um,
3: Can I just tell you that this friend of mine who's doing this documentary, For God's Sakes, Get Out, and it's about the Amityville horror series. No kidding. He was just texting me, and I'm like, I'm doing a podcast on H6 right now. And he's like, how can I listen? i want to get i'm i'm the expert give me a shout out woman so it's brian norton and he's doing um a documentary about the making of the amityville horror series and that's what he's doing right now so anyone out there who's into amityville
1: check it out brian norton yeah well, A friend of my thank-
3: Facebook, follow him on Instagram.
1: Yeah, thanks Brian for for uh listening to this episode by the time this drops. So thank you.
3: Oh he uh, will he will absolutely be obsessed. I mean I became obsessed.
1: Yeah. No, it's um and again, I thought I was gonna spook you like when I when I wrote all this out. Um, I was like, oh man, she's gonna, she's going think I'm nuts that I'm asking all these questions. But again, you know, you go to so many conventions, and the last thing I wanted was these paint by the number questions that both you and Dan have
3: been asking. No, I've many only times. been to three conventions, really. And and it's not because it's not because I, I, I'm not asked. I think we discussed this. Like H six people are not requested. We I did the one in two thousand and three right um, in Pasadena, and then all these years went by, and Mikey Perez, who's awesome, um, he represents you know people for conventions, one of the many things he does, he's also a music production, and he's just an all around awesome, talented person, he reached out to me and said there's all this great interest in doing um, a Halloween 6 reunion this year because it was like the 25th reunion
1: uh-huh.
3: of, no, maybe it was the 20th. Well, because it's 2020 now. It came out in nine, 1995.
1: Yeah, sort of in 2015. I
3: Hill, I did Baltimore, and I did Indianapolis.
1: I was going to go to the... the I was gonna to go to the Indianapolis one, and I forget why I missed it. But I was gonna go just because of that, and I I, I missed it.
3: Um, but he was able to get pretty much everyone except Paul Rudd really wanted to do it. But Ant Man, because it was Disney, um, there was some there where uh Disney was like, no, we own him for conventions for Ant-Man, and he can't do any other conventions. And I don't think it was a BS reason. I really don't. Um, because one might think, like, listening to that, like, oh, right.
1: No, but Disney's I, strict, so I get it. Yeah,
3: and also Paul, like me, I think was really sad and pissed about how H6 turned out. That for years it was really hard to talk about it. But I think enough time has passed that he would have no problem talking about it. Um, and, but like he was literally forbidden to do it. There was some that, conflict, contractual, you know, thing.
1: That sucks. That, that, that would have been cool too. You know, oh my God, song. are you
3: kidding? Can you imagine the lines around the door. I mean, cuz I didn't like understand like uh certain people are like really super popular. Like Robert England, you know, uh you know, Freddie, mm-hmm. lines around the block. Oh yeah. Waiting to get in for just him to sign something. And I was like, "Oh my god, he's really popular." Yeah. You know? I'm so naive. I mean, I'm so out of it about certain things.
1: Speaking of conventions, at the ones that you've been to, have you ever yep. have you ever had a chance to bump into Danielle Harris? If so, uh, what was that like? No. No, really. I've
3: never. No, I've never met her. Um, you know, I I think the world of her. I I don't. Um, I don't know her at all, but. I know, I know Daniel Farrens ad- adores her, and they've finally gotten a chance to work together mm-hmm. several times. I know it was, like, very heartbreaking for her to not be able to be in Halloween 6. Um, and it was for a ridiculous reason, Um
1: I want to you read know. this to you real quick. My friend, yeah. my friend Aaron Bass, um, he's been a, a buddy of mine for years. He's always like refused to really get into watching H Six. He's like, yeah, you know. Uh, so he was really interested in hearing the retrospective, I guess you could say, with Daniel Ferens. And he's, I guess, he got glued into the episodes. I didn't even know he was listening to him, but he sent me this long message.
3: They're riveting. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I I was there in the trenches, yeah. And I I and I was listening to it like I had never heard any of the stuff before, and some of the stuff I didn't know.
1: Yeah, and Hold and on, and, yeah. and and same here because I mean I thought I knew a lot too, and I mean I wasn't even there, but I mean I I researched like like a mofo, and I yeah. thought I I thought I knew a lot, and. I was hearing things and I was just taken back, but his his exact words he's he's like you know now I find a new love and a new appreciation for and I understand why you like it the way you do. He Mm. said I feel like as a fan that we all got robbed of a film that we should have had instead. Wow. So he just. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. um,
3: Because that's I mean. I signed on to do the movie that Daniel Farren's wrote. Paul Rudd signed on to do the movie that Daniel Farren's wrote. The late, great, amazing Donald Pleasant signed on to do the movie that Daniel Farren's wrote. And... It was a bait-and-switch it ended up being a bait-and-switch in the end I don't think it, it obviously wasn't intentional there were you know huge problems on the set like I was mentioning it snowed like a real snowfall like six inches of snow in the first week we were there which even by Salt Lake City standards was unusual and the prop guys and the production design people and everybody, they're hosing down the lawns, you know, and, and trying to get rid of the snow and scenes that were scheduled outside, you know, exterior scenes that were scheduled to be shot the next day or the second day after the snow had to be rescheduled for later. And then scenes that were interior scenes, had to be pushed up. And hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, just my phone just beeped. And and you know, like sometimes they're night scenes, sometimes they're day scenes, and so that had to be accounted for. And so the schedule got really messed up. And you know, things happen on film sets. So everyone out there who just wants to hate Something that they've seen, and they have every right to, and I understand exactly why. But they need to understand stuff, unexpected stuff happens on a film set, and sometimes you just get unlucky,
2: Mm
3: -hmm. and there's then this domino effect that happens.
1: Well and and this is one thing that I that I tell a lot of people about about movies, um, is I'm like, look, it takes an army to make a film. Um you need exactly. to respect you need to respect the art and the work that went into it by everybody involved because everybody in there worked their ass off to, to make the best yep. possible picture they could. Now yep. you you may not like it, maybe I may not like it. Uh, but at the same time, just because I don't like something doesn't mean I have to shit all over it, you know. And just just to be an a hole. And there's a lot of people out there that will do that. And it's just, it's just usually
3: like people who criticize movies like with an intense hatred and venom. Usually people who don't know anything about the filmmaking process and how it works. Mm-hmm. And You need to understand that things happen on a set and then it's a domino effect because it snowed the first week. Then this happened and this happened and this happened on Halloween 6. And no, I I mean, I'm not going to say nobody, but very few people understand what that movie was meant to be and how disappointing both The producer's cut and then the the theatrical release. Very few people understand how shocking that was Uh and disappointing that was. Than me, but and and uh, and like I've said to you, it was really hard for me to talk about it for years because I loved it so much loved the script so much and it meant a lot to me. And I think Daniel talked about there was a cast and crew screening the spring of 1995 where this is presented as the final cut Mm -hmm. of the movie. And as we know, our beloved uh, Donald Pleasant already passed away And we all gathered in this huge movie theater that they had rented out. It was sort of like a premiere. And I remember just being so confused and dissuaded. Like Daniel talked about, like, this just doesn't work. It doesn't hit the beats. It's not what I wrote. That's the way I felt. I had a little bit more knowledge about how it was going to fail because Daniel left the set day 10 and I was devastated because I needed him on set to explain stuff to me. Um, I, I, I milked him for information. Daniel, Daniel, what? Okay, So how, do you, how did you envision the scene We wrote it? How do you envision it? Because Joseph Al was not really available to talk to.
2: Welcome to Intermission.
1: Well, we are in the middle of Intermission, and I am your host, Chris Morgan, uh, joined once again by Aaron Bass on Halloween Unleashed. And brother, we got through the first 15-20 minutes. You know, I interviewed her, I held the mic, so... Give me your thoughts.
2: Well, my very first thought is uh, <laughs> you were we we all shared that collective pat on the back with you when the the very first episode aired, and you said, you know, uh, I got to give my seventeen year old self a pat <laughs> on the back for being able to, you know, say that I, I shared a Friday night date with the lovely Miss Marianne Higgins. <laughs> and yeah, that that sums it off all, all all up right there, brother. That's you. You bastard! But <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I digress. One of the big points that she uh, that she uh, said was um, uh, on behalf of all of us H Six fans. I believe we all shared a collective groan when she said remorsefully uh, that she that she'd wish that she had saved a copy of Dan's original script. Because once she said that and it was it was like it was out there and it was confirmed that she don't have the she don't have an original copy anywhere I was
1: like oh, yeah. oh Yeah, it it it's that right there, it was like a knife through my heart because Dan doesn't have one. Uh she doesn't have one. And I, I don't know who else would, but it's just, you know, we keep hearing about how amazing this script is and like I have said many, many times I have like draft five or six or whatever it was. And yes, it's probably closer to that original draft, but it's still not that original draft that made everybody say, I'm sign- I want to sign up for this movie. Um, I don't have it. I really wish I did though.
2: Yeah, I really wish that somebody did too, because that's a... That is a Greek tragedy in itself. And on that same note, you know, I I, I don't know if, you know, if she was, if she was, a uh, you know, making a joke when she said it or not. But, you know, when she happened to make the mention that, you know, uh, uh, the, let's call them the script, the script revisers crew, uh, when they were ripping, you know, uh, mostly care pages from the script, I was, I was just, I was aghast. I was like, "Why?" I mean, she, I mean, she was the heart of the entire film. I mean, it, uh, you know, with and it, with all respect to Donald Pleasant, I mean, she was very much the heart of the film, and it kind of harkened me back to uh, uh, to the uh, the H two documentary where. Uh, Rick Rosenthal was on camera, and he uh, he said he, he referenced uh, you know Halloween two having uh, uh, several different cooks in the kitchen, and um, yeah, I, I can honestly say that you know uh, Dan birthed it, and those people bastardized his baby, and there was way too many cooks in that kitchen. It it really felt like.
1: No, you know what? I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna save that for later on because uh I don't wanna get the audience confused at what we've heard and what they what they haven't heard yet. So I'm still in the in the midst of editing a lot of these episodes, so I may get a little a little further down the road because I know more. <laughs> so uh I, I'll <laughs> go ahead and just apologize now if that if that happens.
2: No, that's all right. and I yeah, i want to say thank you Marianne, for uh you know giving the shout out regarding brian norton and his uh his upcoming amityville documentary because uh you know that's going to be that's uh, going to be more for all of us fans to be able to feast on and uh that's great uh, i loved hearing that i really i really loved hearing that and you know to know that there's going to be some you know some fresh takes on the uh on the whole uh amityville uh saga i mean that's you know that's something else to look forward to in in the middle of all this
1: absolutely and uh brian uh actually friended me on facebook right after episode one of marianne's episodes or series dropped and uh he was doing a live video that night and he was going to have me jump on and he was going to plug the podcast i just didn't I was, you know me when it comes to kids and bath time, man. And it's like, uh, either they're on a schedule and I, I've got to follow it. And then I just kind of tune out. So by the time I got around to his message to, to read it, there was absolutely no way I could have jumped in, but yeah, definitely shout out to Brian Norton and, uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate it.
2: And when you reference bath time, man, yeah, I mean, you are, you are definitely dedicated and devoted to your family. And that's the way that it should be for all of us that have family. And there should be no higher priority than bath time and, and time with the family. I mean, that's just the way it's, it's supposed to be.
1: Well, I was sharing with you, and I don't mean to go off on a sidebar here, but sometimes sidebars are, are fun. And, again, our audience listeners that are not on, in our Facebook group <clears> – <throat> um, you know there's there's, there's well over 2000 people that's that's downloaded last week's episode and uh we've got 465 people in the in the Facebook group that doesn't that doesn't make any sense but maybe not everybody's on Facebook or wants to be in groups cuz groups do get a bad rap i get it understand it just as long as people are listening and having a good time i'm having a good time so but point being is My son, who is six years old, um, is really starting to get into stop motion animation. He's getting into, um, I mean, he's really taken into art and coloring. I mean, he's starting to become a lot like his dad, and he's following me around. He's like a little mini me. And my daughter's the same way, but she hasn't quite grasped it yet. But he's getting to the point where he's liking to play with cameras, he wants to help. And since the coronavirus thing's been going on, I've had a lot more time to suit up and get out my camera and take customer pictures all suited up. And, um, you know, he saw me beautiful doing that pics, one.
2: by the way. All beautiful pics.
1: Thank you. But he saw me taking pictures one day all suited up, and I'm doing the little remote control thing. And he says, Daddy, is there is there a way that I can help you? And I was like, actually sure and i handed him the remote and he took it and he says no i, I want to hold the camera and i want to i want to take the picture and so i t- i turned it off and i was a little nervous at first because it's you know it's a 700 hundred dollar camera and he's six and you know i gave him uh transformers my transformers to play with from when i was a kid and half of them are broken now so i you got to imagine what i felt handing him over a $700 camera if he can't keep a $12 toy from getting broken so long story short um, I'm sweating bullets inside the costume and (laughs) worried to death and all of a sudden I start seeing him fire away and taking pictures and he starts pretending like he's me and I'm just like
2: there's no way you started tearing up in the mask didn't
1: you no i was like why why is he looking like that so when (laughs) after he shot off a few pictures and I, i i wanted to go back and look and i realized he's taking damn good pictures um i look at him i said hey quick question why did you stand like this and why did you look like that and he's like oh i i watch you do that all the time daddy and i'm like i look like that and he goes yeah and I was like, <laughs> OK. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, but um, but, yeah, that's how this kind of ties back into this episode is um, I was suiting up in an H6 mask last weekend and it was Saturday, I believe. And he was helping me out and he wanted to put the mask on. And I was like, Jacob, I said, you've helped me out for the last several days, taking pictures out of all the masks that I do, which one's your favorite? And he says, I like the Halloween six mask the best. And I was like, be still my, Daddy heart. Is your boy. be still my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just like, like, like father, like son, man, it's, uh, it's really cool to watch him um, take some interest into what I'm doing. And he just told me ear- earlier today that he wants to, go make a mask with me here real soon. So that day of him coming out there, I mean I, I know you mentioned it several years back to me when you were you and I were working out in the back in my old workshop. I remember you said to me like one day little man's gonna want to be out here doing this with you and I really hope that you let him. And uh that day's coming real soon.
2: You know why I said that brother because I saw it then you were you were very much the apple of his eye I mean, you are very much you know who he looks up to you know uh, above all else in this world he looks for you he looks to you for you know uh leadership, guidance, you know character reference I mean he's looking at you, and I mean you are you're as entire life. I saw it back then that's why I said that to you back then. It does not surprise me at all to hear you say that it really doesn't
1: well, thanks, man. Well, um, it's, I, I can sit here and just sidebar with you all day, but uh, again, people are like, "Come on, man, this is about Marianne." So, um, one
2: thing that struck me uh, that absolutely, like, you know, floored me almost uh, was uh, her admitting that she's only been to, to, to three conventions, and yeah. that uh, yeah, I, I and that the the H six cast is. It's not really desired. It's like, who the hell is making these decisions? Are you serious? And here's the thing. You know, the
1: Halloween 6 cast is, you know, I said it last week, that's the one thing that the critics praised about the film was Paul, Marianne, and the rest of the cast. I see a lot of people that, over the years and probably these three that she's talking about would send me pictures from, or tag me in these pictures that they've taken at conventions with her, with one of my masks that she signed probably. And I guess I was so conditioned to getting tagged in all these pictures. I guess I just assumed that they were all different conventions and that people were, that, that the cast had been part of more than just three Conventions, and it's just that's extremely sad.
2: Absolutely, and in the interest of you know getting back to uh getting back to you know Marianne's interview and everything, I'll, I'll keep it brief, but uh, you know, it's it's criminal, it's criminal. I really thought it it is criminal. Or when she said that she's only been to three conventions and the H six cast isn't isn't, you know, desired. I mean it just that just totally blew my mind because it's it's like if if the if the H five cast, you know, with you know, with all due living respect to Danielle Harris that the H five cast can be desired, what the heck is wrong with H six? Seriously. I mean I know what ended up happening with the film and how it was a you know, a shadow of what it was intended to be, but, I mean, still, I mean, you have somebody that was the, you know, the, the heart and soul of that film, and Marianne, and, I mean, she's the one that, honestly, she breathed the most life into that film, you know, uh, with all due respect, to, you know, to the late, great Donald Pleasance, and, you know, to Paul Rudd, you know, she was the one that breathed the most life into that film. And the air that she's only been at three conventions and that, you know, she's ultimately in the rest of the cast is, is desired. I mean, that's just, no, I, I don't understand that at all. I agree.
1: You know, it, it's, it's definitely sad for sure.
2: I was, I was kind of shocked when she, when she said that there was a full blown snowstorm in Salt Lake city that, you know, uh, that preceded the, you know, the, you know, the start to the filming. Cause I mean, I was, I was born and raised in suburban Chicago, you know, or uh, Chicago's famously known for having two seasons, winter and the fourth of July. So, so <laughs> from the first from the first time that snow falls in Chicago or the Chicagoland area, the burbs included, which is where I grew up, it's like from the first time snow falls, uh that's it. I mean there's no there's no ground clearing or anything else. It's like if snow's on the ground, that's it. You won't see the snow disappear until around the 4th of July and the Taste of Chicago comes around. So, right. uh, it's, you know, I couldn't believe. I mean, th- that that uh, that one scene with uh, with Brad English, you know, where he's out there and he's chopping down uh, you know, the Michael Myers thing off the front yard. The kids that put there is I've had enough of this Halloween horseshit. shit you know and the camera you know like pans back on the house and everything i mean to anybody that was born and raised up north you, you could tell you know just by the look of everything you, you know that, that that's cold weather it, it's fall time weather but i would never in a million years have thought that you know there had been a full blown snowstorm there you know prior to the start of shooting i mean that just that that really surprised me i couldn't believe that at all that was crazy
1: yeah and You know that's part of one of the things that drew me to H. Six is it actually did look like fall in the Midwest, and that that is one of the things that that uh, if you want to if for for those out there that are listening that aren't big H. Six fans, again I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but challenge me on any Halloween film in the entire series, the original included which movie in the entire franchise looks the most like the season it's supposed to look like and sets the tone and the atmosphere better than part six.
2: No, you're dead on, man. You're, you're dead on. As a matter of fact, you know, with all respect to the original, the only time, you know, as someone who was born and raised up North and who knows what, you know, fall and October really looks like in the state of Illinois, which is where I was born and raised. The only scene in H one that you know that 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 struck my uh, my 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 fall time you know uh, uh, chords was the scene where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis comes out with the pumpkin and she's waiting to be picked up by Nancy Loomis you know in yes. the famous uh, Monte Carlo. That was the only scene in the entire movie. That was like, yeah, that that felt that felt like a true fall day in the Midwest. As someone who was born and raised there,
1: agreed, absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you. And yeah, well, let's not keep uh, people waiting. Let's get back to Marianne, and then we'll come back at the very end, and we'll put a final bow on 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 all this. Is that okay?
2: absolutely let's get to it bro
1: all right we're gonna get back to marianne Hagen. this is aaron bass and chris morgan and once again you're listening to halloween unleashed i have um, a i have a i have a funny question for you though yeah <laughs> yeah i obviously these cuts aren't good and you're probably going, why Why is this guy that I'm talking to, why is he so into this movie? <laughs> Has it ever crossed your mind?
3: Um, No. I, actually, no. Because I just... I understand there's beautiful things about our movie. It is, um, yeah.
1: You did so much you could look so much into your eyes and feel this character's layers like you could tell with the struggle with the family and stuff you could tell that this that you really brought a lot of deep issues into this character that this character had which was fantastic and you said more with your eyes and with the facial expression throughout that film than I think any amount of dialogue ever could. And at the same time, show such a warmness towards her son, because we don't know anything about where the dad is. Uh, We don't know anything about what happened the prior six years that Danny's been on this earth, but you made us feel this sympathy for what your character was going through that has been unparalleled and unmatched um, in any part of the franchise sense and first of all I want to thank you for that second of all
3: you're gonna make me cry right now don't do that (laughs) sweetest thing ever okay but yeah I have a lot to say about that but yeah
1: yeah and 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 I definitely want you to touch on it I just want you to know that the reason I hold this character to such high regard is is because of the realism that you brought to the character that I think, you didn't act the part, you became the part, and that's the difference with a lot of things.
3: Thank you so much, Chris. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Uh, I mean, truly, really. um, I I give uh, Mustafa Akkad credit for casting me because he was... I think he, I I mean, I'm not traditionally beautiful, I'm not traditionally, like, a hot woman. And I think he liked that. He found that interesting. And um, it made it a little different from the way a lot of harmonies are cast these days. And even back then, um, which is, you know, Hot babe screaming and running, and that becomes pornography at some point, you know.
2: Oh, um, sure. in, in,
3: in that you're the definition of pornography is that you're appealing to the most prurient interest of people, and that is prurient meaning the most base, base, uh, interest in people, and. Um, I really, I don't know this for a fact, but my gut always told me that it was Mustafa who really championed me. Um, yeah, and so I, um, I just, you know, I just, uh, played it like you would play any dramatic scene, like the scene at breakfast with my son and my abusive father. I had this whole conversation with Joe Chappelle, this was in the beginning, um, where I said, you know, I don't want to play it like, this is just a scene we need to get through in order to get to the gore, you know? Right. I want to play it like a real family scene. And he said, I totally agree. I love that. I love that. And so that's the way we tried to play it, you know. Um, Brad English, rest in peace. And, uh, yeah, I mean.
1: Well, I got to say, if there was um, one person that – I know a lot of Halloween fans wanted to beat the shit out of it was your, it it was your onscreen father. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, (laughs) was it? um, It Yeah. I mean, but that's a, that's a testament to him. And um, I know we've talked about this off air, but uh, I remember sitting in the theater opening weekend watching it. And I was like, cool. They got Biff Tannen from back to the future to play the dad. Because that's oh who, my god! That's who he. That's who he made me think of.
3: Right, I heard that in, in your earlier um, interview with, um, with Dan. That's so funny. Yeah, I love it. I love it.
1: So, um, but anyway, um, it's it's so funny, and I, I'm not sure if this was on purpose. I'm sure it was in that long Bible Dan's talked about, but. Um, I found it really unique and cool that Laurie was into psychology and Kara was into psychology.
3: Oh, absolutely! And there's nothing in Daniel's script that's by accident. He is such a genius, and he has he has such a encyclopedic knowledge of the Halloween series so when he was on the set when we shot in Salt Lake City um, I was constantly looking to him for input because I knew he knew what he meant when he wrote a certain scene so I would say like so how, do you, how did you envision this scene happening when you wrote it? Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was so annoying. I mean, I just latched on to him and just, you know, asked him all the time. Like, so, so this scene, this scene, what did you envision when, when you wrote it? Like, what did you want? What did you think? Because I knew that he knew better than anybody what it should be.
1: Did, did you ever uh, wonder at some point, like, I understand this guy's young, but why isn't he directing this film? Because he has so much passion for it. Did you ever wonder that?
3: Of course. Oh, of course. Of course. And I also wondered why Joe Chappelle was directing it.
1: I mean, oh, he was well, some guy from... we'll definitely get to him (laughs) we'll definitely get to him no but I
3: I just I didn't there's just so many young aspiring New York City directors who just graduated from NYU Film School same with LA right and I but anyway yes I, I absolutely thought he should be directing it but I also understood that he was you know Super young, and this was his first script and it would be very, very rare for anyone to allow someone really young who had no experience directing to direct their own script, which I do not agree with at all, but I understand that that's the way people think
1: absolutely it's um it's about building that that networking i, I you know he's obviously he's moved on and he's doing all that now. Yeah. Which exactly. is uh, fantastic. Uh,
3: I mean, but... he's a superstar now, and he's gone to direct, write his own films, direct his own films, and it's just amazing and so exciting.
1: Absolutely, because
3: he's he's really he's really a brilliant guy. I mean, he just—it's hard to explain, but I I felt. I really bonded with him on the set, especially in Salt Lake City when he was there, um, in how smart he was. And I could ask him any question, and he could explain stuff to me.
1: And he's very Uh, good at, um, you know, just... I'm speaking from my friendship with him. He's very good at articulating his thoughts. And so you exactly. get Exactly. you get drawn into that. So I could understand how that would be a huge help with the fact that this was this guy's baby, you know, and I mean obviously he had to watch his baby get killed, but uh you yeah. know, he he was very passionate about his baby and he has such a way to articulate it. I'm I can't imagine him being much different as far as that goes, um, 26 years ago, versus how he is now. He's probably a little bit a little bit more polished now, but the way he delivers information, um, that's a that's a natural born gift that people have. I don't yeah he, I don't see he's, that. he he's
3: just naturally brilliant. And you know I did listen to all of his interviews with you, one through five. And it was bringing me back memory, down this memory lane. And I was reminded just how brilliant he is and how articulate he is and his ability to explain anything. And I just thought, I'm like, I've forgotten about all this and I'm going to have to be interviewed, you know, in a week by Chris and oh my gosh I'm I'm gonna be like this idiot you're fine like 10 days into it I didn't remember how long it was he said in one of the your episodes uh those like 10 days into it he he left the set and I remember that so well I was devastated Devastated. I, I, I thought he was kidding when he said, I, I'm, go- I'm, going, I'm going home. I'm going back to L.A. And it seemed infathom- infathomable to me. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You're coming back though, right? You're just going back to L.A. for a couple of days to take care of business and, and life, but you're coming back, right? And he was like, no. There's
2: well, some place
3: in a box I have it's filled with photographs and there's a picture of Dan Mariah and, and myself sitting in my trailer on this little, you know, tiny sofa the day he was, he, he told me he was leaving and I, I need to find that photo. I've seen it, you know, when I've moved over the years, mm-hmm. but we're all smiling and so like happy for the camera, but right. it was right after Daniel had told us he was leaving, and we were so sad.
1: Now, if if you can't answer this, I totally understand, and you don't have to. But what was the reason for him leaving? Because that I don't think that was ever really explained on 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 his side. Um, I know that he and I hadn't talked about it. It just wasn't ever a thing. Well, why why did he leave? All right. Welcome back to Halloween Unleashed. Chris Morgan and Aaron back with you here. And we did it again. Another cliffhanger, right?
2: You brilliant, evil, devious, genius bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I swear you did it at just the right moment. And I mean, you you just drove that hook in even deeper into my heart. It's just like, Oh my God, how could you, if you're a fan to any degree, how could you not come back for more? I mean, you just, you nailed it. You, You really did.
1: Well, thank you. Well, she's the, she's the one that, that made it all happen. Um, again, like I've said many times in the past, I was just the lucky guy that got to ask the questions um, she was really the one that made all of this happen because without her, um, there would be no Marianne Hagen series. That there, there, there absolutely wouldn't be. So, uh, I'm giving all the credit to her um, and being able to share this with all of us. And I am super lucky to have had the opportunity to do this with her.
2: Absolutely. I would feel just as lucky. And, you know, it's, a, it's really a testament to her and, you know, her humility uh, when she came out. And uh, I know she said it in the previous episode, but she went into a little bit more detail, you know, in in, in, in this chapter about how, you know, she felt like she had no chance of getting the script because, uh, you know, it, there was the blonde, big chest stereotype and right. she didn't she didn't fashion herself as like, uh, as pretty or beautiful or sexy or anything like that. And Marianne, I know you'll end up listening to this and take my word for it. I, you are your own worst critic, but have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror? Because Thank you. being be- yeah, being beautiful, isn't just what stares back at you in the mirror. It's what, comes it's it's your level of humbleness humility and just being genuine i mean one of the there's there's two moments in that movie and they both precede each other too that are the most heartfelt uh moments in that movie to her and uh in the movie to me and both of those moments you know were delivered to us by her and the first heartfelt moment, uh, first time I ever watched it was the scene, uh, the breakfast scene with her and the family and Brad English. And after, you know, Brad English delivers the blow that all of us in the movie theater was like, oh no, he didn't. Uh, you know, there's, there's Danny and, you know, he's holding the knife to, uh, you know, to his, to his stomach. And the way that she delivered that scene, with, you know, in the, you know, in the story, she was just struck. You know, she's got a bloody nose, and you know, God only knows what the character you know in, in that story was feeling. But there she is, and she just you know kind of you know calmly, uh, you know, subdues and pacifies her son, and just you know, in a in a in a moment of violence. Uh, She just, you know, was kind of like a warm blanket that just like subdued that entire, uh, that entire uh, sequence. And I mean, that was so heartfelt and genuine. And then the preceding scene where, you know, they leave the house and they're outside and she kneels down and she looks him in the eyes and she lets him know everything's all right by saying, you know, Danny, I love you. And, you're on, and her famous, you know, give me a squeeze. Well, definitely a lot to unpack there of, of things
1: that you said. Um, you know, the one thing that I, you know, that she almost, she almost got a little choked up by was when I was saying just that to her. Um, but the point I was trying to make as well is you and I were talking before we went on the air today. Everything is force fed and just sanitized anymore. And everything is performed. Very rarely anymore are we treated as an audience to organic, lovable, redeemable characters that you don't know that it's being performed. And that is typically the best type of character is when you feel that that is a real person and that's not being acted and she did it and I'm talking to her as Marianne and I'm calling her Marianne she'll probably laugh when she hears this but there's been a couple times I almost called her Kara (laughs) that's how much she made me believe so and a lot of it was with her eyes the way she showed the emotion when there was no dialogue and that is a, that is a, that is a talent that a lot of actors and a lot of performers can't get. Cause they're trying to remember the lines and they're trying to remember what their marks were or what, what their hair should be doing or what I should be posting on Instagram next and all this stuff. The, the next the next part of what you were talking about, um, Mustafa and she saying that I have no proof of this, but I can imagine, I, I I feel like he, he championed for me. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that he did because I've said it countless times. She is my favorite character in the entire franchise. and, People that are driving right now are probably driving off into a freaking ditch saying, well, what about Dr. <laughs> Limbus? Well, yes, I get that. That 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 goes without saying. I get it. Or there's some people who are saying, well, what about Laurie Strode? I'm like, well, what about her? I've said countless times, and I mean no disrespect to her or to anybody that's fans of hers. I have just never been a Jamie Lee Curtis fan ever from an acting standpoint, she is a performer and I am not all that big on performers. I like actors and I like people that can make me believe and you really shouldn't be able to compare them because they're apples to oranges. But if you're asking my opinion and since this is an episode we're doing on her, I'm letting my opinion be known that she's, that she is my favorite.
2: Yeah. Uh, what did she, you know, she, out of her own mouth, you know, what did she do when she sought direction for how, you know, for how she should feel her way through a scene? She went straight to Daniel Theron, you know, for his input and for, and, and to ask him, hey, how would you envision this scene? And I mean that's
1: a testament to you know to her dedication to her craft. And I mean well, that says it all right there. Let Let me say this, and I, I'm not sure how much you know about what goes on behind the scenes and stuff on on films. I mean, I can speak from experience. What What's really odd to me, and this is like, and and I maybe odds a derogatory phrase that I shouldn't say because it it's it's fascinating to me that first of all that the writer of the film was allowed on set because typically that doesn't happen number 1 number 2 um when she was saying that the only thing i can think inside because you know i've directed many things right i worked with the actors and the actresses on those sets they were coming to me saying, Hey, how did you see this play out? How, how this, don't you find it a little odd that she was going to the writer that was on set and, and the, and the director was nowhere to be found.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, in light of what you just, in the, in light of the information you just relayed. Yeah, I I do find it odd. And quite frankly, uh, uh, I'd like to echo her sentiment about, uh, you know, uh, wondering why, uh, Daniel wasn't given the chance to, uh, you know, to, to be a director. I mean, I know, uh, you know, I know he was young. I know he was inexperienced. But at the same time, I, I wish that Mustafa, you know, if, if he deemed Daniel's story, you know, good enough to make a movie out of. And something that he was going to incorporate, he was going to, you know, put his name on and incorporate with his legacy. I mean, let's face it, you know, Mustafa Akkad has a legacy, okay? And I, I wish that, that I, I, I wish in this day that Kyle had gone down, and I, I really do. And I know that Marianne and Paul did too because like she said, you know, she and Paul and Donald, you know, they all signed on to do the story that Daniel authored. I mean, I'm sure it just had to be absolutely deflating for them. You know, every single Halloween movie starts with Mustafa Akkad presents. You know, exactly. so ultimately, yep. you know, exactly. I don't understand why at some point he didn't step in and say, uh, no, we're veering off track, you know, too much here. We need to get back on track. Daniel, step in, take the reins and, and, and put this, take this story from the, from the papers that you put it on and and put it on the big screen. I really wish that had happened.
1: I have a feeling though, that had, um, and I know we're kind of getting off onto this other tangent a little bit, but it's definitely worth noting that, I mean, we we've heard it mentioned that, you know, they were developing galaxy films that, that was the distribution house in four and five. And then the ass end of that fell out and then they had to find a new distributor which ended up coming down the new line in Miramax and obviously Miramax won out and et cetera, et cetera. But I have a feeling that had the Galaxy films stayed in business or, or stayed intact or whatever you want to call it, I have a feeling that most likely what what the scenario you just laid out probably would have happened but without without miramax or new line signing on halloween 6 wasn't getting made so i think in a sense that yes he still maintained all the rights and the ownership and all the stuff and everything but they're saying, hey, if you want to get this film made, you're going by our rules. And unfortunately, you know, in this this situation, maybe I guess you could say he came up on the short end of the stick when it comes to how much power he actually had. I mean, we've heard it multiple times that by the time the reshoots happened, the Akkad's weren't even involved at that point. It was all Miramax. So...
2: That's crazy.
1: It is. I mean, and we'll we'll get into more of it later. But I'm just recapping some of the things that Dan said about, you know, they're going back into reshoots and they have no producers, you know, and because the that's crazy itself right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I I think in, in in your point of what Marianne Marianne and I were talking about here about Daniel directing. um, Again, I I really think that if the Galaxy films thing had stayed in place like it did in four and five, chances are maybe he would have had, I I, I don't say that he would have directed it, but maybe he would have had a much better chance to direct it, I should say.
2: Possibly been able to have a lot more influence on the direction the film was taking.
1: Agreed. Well, anyway, I think that'll do it for this week. Brother, I really appreciate you jumping on, and um, yeah, man, and uh, we'll have to do this again. But let's go ahead and let everybody get out of here and get back to their lives. We appreciate everybody listening in. From Aaron Bass, from Chris Morgan, this is Halloween Unleashed, and we will be back with Marianne Hagen Part 4 next week.
2: This is the Halloween Unleashed podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to Halloween Unleashed. Be sure to download, rate, and subscribe anywhere you download your podcasts. From Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And then join our social media channels at our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Halloween Unleashed. On Instagram at Halloween Unleashed. And on Twitter at Hween Unleashed. Be sure to share our episodes in your horror groups, on your timeline, and on Instagram. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Halloween Unleashed.